This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Hang on your bulletins on the back. There's an outline. I'm talking today about the heart behind one Sunday. And you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Last week, uh, my family was in Galveston, on Galveston Island, outside of Texas, on the beach. And we just had a blessed time. I have family in Houston, and so that's a great meeting place for us. And we had seven children under the age of 11, most of them under the age of seven, and they were exploring the beach. And so as we went into the ocean, uh, I had the very difficult job among the other adults of making sure all the kids were safe. Uh, And so we planted on the beach, you put your towels out, your water cooler and all of that, and you go out into the water thinking you're going to swim directly in front of all your stuff. But the undertow just keeps pulling you and pulling you. And, and little seven-year-olds don't consider this. And so it's like herding cats the whole time. I mean, you're just, you know, telling them, walk up, walk over, walk back, walk over, walk. The, the, the pull, the momentum kept pulling them aside. And you've been there. You've had that happen before. You know, that's what momentum does. Momentum takes you in a specific direction. Momentum takes you a specific direction. And sometimes what's great about momentum is just like being in the ocean, you don't even realize where the momentum is taking you. Momentum accelerates progress. Momentum causes speed to increase. And the great thing about momentum is momentum will take you further than you expected to go. But before you know it, momentum has taken you somewhere you didn't expect faster than you thought you would get there and taken you further than you expected to go in the first place. Momentum can be an awesome, incredible thing when it's the right momentum. I believe that God wants to create momentum within our church congregation. That's why today I've never been so excited about sharing a message with you, which now puts a whole lot of pressure for me to preach good. But I'm excited about this message, not because it'll be the greatest message, but because uh, I have been in six different ministry positions in, in my, I guess, professional career. And this summer, I have been at the church at Indian Lake longer than any of those positions. I've now been here three and a half years. And that's exciting to me because I believe when you're building something that's more than something that appears and disappears or flash in the pan. It takes time to build the right foundation, to build it on Jesus Christ. And it's year four and year seven and year 15. And if it's God's will, year 20, that you begin to see something that only God can do that takes faithfulness and longevity and sticking things out. And so we're entering a new phase as a church. We're entering a new era. And I suppose that I'll do something else with my life when I'm done pastoring this church. But I don't think I'll ever do anything greater than pastoring this church. I believe in my life's work, this is the pinnacle of what God's called me to do. And so now, here we are, needing, asking, and wanting momentum. Write that down. That's the first word that I want you to write down on your bulletin. Now, churches have momentum builders. And there's one momentum builder that our church has that 
every other church has too. It's called Easter. The great thing about Easter is, is we don't have to create the momentum. The momentum is created for us. So on Easter, we pick some songs and we create a good Friday service and we do the stuff you do to have a good church service. And then this wave comes along and we just kind of ride the wave called Easter. And we have this record crowd and everybody shows up to church on that one Sunday and, and it's, it's cool. It's a momentum builder leading up to Easter. You know, we make decisions like we need to paint a certain wall before Easter. And we need to get some more greeters before Easter. And it just kind of creates some internal momentum. And the great thing for preachers, for us, we don't have to create it. It just, it's coming our way and we just have to ride the wave of momentum. So this Easter, we had a great Easter. We had uh, you know, record crowd, I think it was like 540 people or something like that in the 500s. And Easter ended, and I thought, well, what is our next momentum builder? And in the past, it's been things like this. We're going to start a small group ministry, or we're going to start a 4.6 targeted ministry for 4th through 6th graders, or we have VBS coming up, or we have Father's Day, all the stuff we're doing for the first time. But when I evaluated and I thought about that, none of those seemed to be creating uh, the momentum we were looking for. And so through much prayer and thinking, uh, I believe the Lord has identified one Sunday, which is coming up on August 21st, as the next wave of momentum that we, through the Spirit's leadership, are going to create. So what, how do you create mo- momentum? It's It happens this way. When every one of us is moving in the same direction at the same time, that creates momentum. Where we're all going the same direction at the same time. And as we looked, and we looked at a Sunday, as Beth mentioned, what could be a Sunday where all excuses to miss church are at least reduced? And there's a high probability you won't be on vacation. There's a high probability that it's not going to be an ice storm on August 21st. The kids are back in school and looking at our trends last year, about mid-August, we, it was one of our peaks last year, attendance-wise. And so August 21st, the first thing I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to just show up. I mean, if all of us just showed up on August 21st, we're going to have a record crowd. We're going to have a wave of momentum. We're, we're going to see, we're going to uh, fill up the 9 a.m. service. And then this service is just, I mean, it's going to be chairs coming out. We're going to squeeze everybody in. And that is exciting. That stretches us. That gives us a vision of what could be. I even thought about calling this Easter in August, but that's a stupid name. So I didn't do that. But the concept is there. Come on, on one Sunday, let's all show up. Let's all show up and let's get together and let's see what can happen. Let's see what kind of momentum we can create. When we all make for one Sunday, two services, one Sunday, we can make that one Sunday a priority. I say, this, this Sunday means something. It's a momentum builder. It's a trendsetter. We're all going to, going to move the same direction at the same time and momentum is going to be created. Now, when I give you this word, I want you to think about what image comes to your mind. I guess you don't have to think about what image. An image will come to your mind. Uh, Fishing. 
fishing. When I uh, imagine what the word fishing is, I'm thinking of a businessman's office that he has this beautiful painting with this serene lake and mountains, and there's one little guy by himself fishing. Have y'all seen paintings like that? Because the idea is when we go fishing, we're going to be all by ourselves. In fact, when I think fishing, I think solitude. When I think fishing, I think it's me and the fish. Of course, I haven't fished since I was eight years old. But um, when I think about that, I just think, you know, it's me by myself, all alone. And so what are the tools you need for fishing? You need a rod and reel. You need bait. Just something for you to catch the fish by yourself. So I would suppose that all of us have a similar uh, kind of word association. That's what we think about when we think about fishing. Now, the problem is we contextualize what Jesus said when he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men with that story. We think, okay, I'm going to be a fisher of men. He said fishers of men, but a fishers of men. I have to go out by myself all alone and go fishing. Well, let's look at Matthew 14, because uh, Matthew 4, because I want us to see what was going on at, at that scripture. Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse 8, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, this is verse 18, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They, they noticed the plurality of this. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Y'all see where this is going? Okay, let's go to the next scripture. Verse 19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. I will cause all of you to go and fish together. You see, in the biblical days, they did not fish with a rod and reel. They fished with a net. I want us to read verse 19. It says, come follow me, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. They didn't put down the rod. They left their nets. Here's the second word I want you to write down, the word net. And I want you to realize that when Jesus said, we're fishers of men, we are fishers of men. We together are fishers of men. Fishing in his context was not a singular event. It wasn't me getting all alone and everyone else leave me alone and I'm going to go fishing. But the problem is that's the way we have traditionally over the last 40 years looked at evangelism. Remember the phrase from the 90s? Each one, reach one. That's the key to evangelism. Each one, reach one. And while there might be an element of truth to that, I think that it's misleading of what Jesus called us because quite frankly, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, it's a lot of pressure to think that it's only up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. So if I'm on an airplane and someone sits next to me and I have a two-hour flight, I better engage a conversation, explain the salvation, and close the deal or that person's going to spend eternity in hell. Well, if you're a great cold salesman who can go and sell ice to an Eskimo, then you probably would enjoy that. But me personally, I'm praying to God that no one sits next to me on a plane because I want to read and think and not small talk. 
And I felt guilty about that before. Why? Because each one must reach one. Evangelism is about me. It's about my personality. It's about my people skill. It's about my responsibility. And while there is an element of truth to that, I think that we have missed the broader context. The broader context is this, is that God has called us as a community to represent Jesus Christ. We are a body and all of us have gifts. I have a loud mouth so I can get up and talk in front of you for 25 minutes a week. But you can ask any man around here that's volunteered at the church. Up at this, to this point in my life, I have an inability to fix anything mechanically around here. It is just flat out embarrassing sometimes. Not that I can't get these skills and get better at that, but we're a body and all of us have a gift. And when we use our gifts together, we're casting a net because nobody, nobody is called the fish alone. We are fisher men. Jesus said, I will make you fisher, fishers of men. I'm going to use you as a body. I'm going to use you as a community. That's why it's so interesting. Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 11, talks about the functionality of the church. And it's talking about Jesus. And it says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, which is what I'm doing right now, to prepare. Another version says to equip, to prepare or equip. Do you know what the context of that means? God, they prepared to equip God's people for works of service. That word prepare, or other translations, equip, means to mend the nets. That's the job of those of us called to the fourfold or fivefold ministry, is to mend the nets so that we can be this healthy church without division, without uh, dysfunction, without a bunch of infighting that's not the will of God. We're a healthy net. We've mended the holes and now we're going to cast out together. And we're going to cast out together because being fishers of men is a community event and a community act. That is what one Sunday is about. One Sunday on August 21st is a chance for us to cast the net together. And the first thing, and don't don't devalue this. The, the, the first step is you showing up, you making August 21st a priority. That is important. That's an important role. But phase two is this, is you personally inviting someone to come to church on one Sunday. If you don't invite anybody, please come anyway. And I'm serious about that. But some of you are ready for phase two, which is this, is that who can I invite that needs to be at church? And we're going to do some very limited expenses for this. We're going to print some cards to give to you. And those cards will tell you about one Sunday. Will, you'll be able to pass that out as a tool to tell people about one Sunday. And that's just a very small printing cost to give to you. What we could do, what we will do in the future, because we've done it years ago, is a mass mail out to the city. You know, all the big churches do that. For about $3,500, we could send out 25,000 postcards and the postman can deliver an invitation to everyone in our city. But that is far less effective than you, not the postman, but you personally inviting a friend of yours and saying, hey, come to my church. Come to my church. Inviting someone who's de-churched. Now here in Hendersonville and Goodlettsville and Gallatin, most people are going to ask, you go to church somewhere, they're going to give you the name of a church. That does not mean they're involved in church. 
You've got to dig a little deeper. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. I like to say, well, who's the pastor of that church? And if they respond something like, uh, what was that guy's name who came in 98? Uh, what's his name again? Or you can ask them a few questions to see if they're involved. Because if someone's involved in another church, we don't want to take them away from their body. But if someone's just going to church two, three, five times a year, and they're not part of the family, come on, let's get them here on one Sunday. Now, you can bring them next Sunday, and I want you to do that. But why am I targeting one Sunday? I believe the Spirit wants us to do that. For momentum. We're all doing the same thing on the same Sunday, going the same direction. It's going to create a wave. Easter, the wave's already coming. You with me? The wave's already created for us. Now, we have to create a wave together. And when we invite them to church, guess what we're going to have? This is going to blow you away. We are going to have a church service because we're the church at Indian Lake. So there won't be a trapeze swinging from the ceiling. We won't have to shovel up animal dung because we uh, have uh, animals uh, prancing through here and, and all these type of things. There's nothing wrong with those. Nothing wrong with that at all. But the problem is, is that on August 28th, the trapeze won't be here. And on September 4th, there won't be animals in here again. So on one Sunday, our worship team is going to lead worship. And we're going to have this guy preach who isn't the best speaker in the world, but he speaks here about 45 times a year. That would be me. So if they happen to like what we're doing, they may come back again. But here's the heart behind that. Is I don't want you... When you invite people and we cast out our net together, we're not bringing them to an institution and we're not bringing them to a pastor and we're not bringing them to a star worship leader and we're not bringing them to uh, something that, uh, a name that we're trying to advance, the name of the church at Indian Lake. We're bringing them to a person, a person named Jesus Christ, a person that we have a vibrant relationship with. That is what One Sunday is about. It's not about institutional growth, even though that would be a wonderful byproduct. It's about being so excited about a product. And that product is Jesus Christ that we are going to cast a net together. About 1991, when I was in high school, we had a big offensive lineman. I wouldn't, I'm a big offensive lineman now. I wasn't back then. But this guy was a big offensive lineman. Really, uh, um, he would talk. About six weeks out, he began to talk about something that was coming to our town. And he would literally, I'm not exaggerating, at practice would say, it's coming in six weeks, six weeks. And then it went to five weeks. And then it went to two weeks. Then it went to three days. And then it went to two days. Every day he would remind our team about this new entity that was coming to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. You may or may not have heard of it. It's called CC's Pizza. I heard about CC's Pizza for six weeks straight. And the day the $2.99 buffet opened, our whole team went in anticipation because he was so excited about the pizza buffet. He talked about it. He promoted, about, he promoted it. He made sure we knew about it. And, and, you know, we do that with other products too. Can I tell you? Let's get excited 
Not about our church and not about our pastor and not about our worship leader and not about our great property. Let's get excited about a product. He's more than a product. He's a friend. It's Jesus Christ himself. That's the message that we're giving. That's the person we're promoting. This is about him. And it's about people who need to reconnect with him and people who need to know him. And we're going to do it together. We're going to cast the net together. And you know what? We're going to be punctual when we're greeting. And we're going to be professional when we usher. And we're going to have more children's workers to get ready. We are going to take our gifts and cast the net. Why? Because it matters to people. And he's called us together because together we embody. We embody Christ Jesus. And we represent Christ Jesus. And we have been called to be fishers of men. Here's the third word I want you to write down. It's this, the word share. Why do we exist? This is on your bulletin every Sunday. It's on every piece of literature. It's on our website. We even have it on the doorpost, the glass threshold as you walk into the lobby. It's to know his love and to what? Okay. It is not enough to just enjoy Jesus. It's not enough. We need to do that. That's why we have, we have things like Encounter. And we're going to have a shifting with Encounter. We're going to try to find some better time slots for it. Because we do need to have those times where we just come and say, hey let's, hey, let's not think about institutional growth. And let's just come, just get into Jesus. I want to do that. I need that. You need that. But that cannot be the only thing we're about. That's only half of the equation. We know his love, but we share his love. That's why Jesus gave us some specific directions in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my, look at the plurality of this again, witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what he's called us to do. That's who he's called us to be, to share his love. And it can be as natural as who you are. You don't have to be a salesman. You need to be yourself. You need to be yourself. And so we'll cast that net together because we'll believe that God, God has a great plan for us. You know, our church, we're averaging about 360, 370. Back in the spring, we'd hit up over 400 a few times. In the summer, we've been at 330, 340. But I want to tell you something. This is not a prophetic thing. This is just a fact. There's no reason why a year from now we shouldn't be double that. 700, 800. Why? Because the message is so important. The message is so important. We'll continue to create 242 groups and create community and get smaller as we get bigger. But there's people that are disconnected from Jesus and in our area that are de-church and they're burned by the church and they're burned by institutional religion. And can I tell you, we've got a safe place for them. We have a loving place for them. We have a place where they can come and they can reintroduce themselves to the church and to Jesus. But it's not going to happen through slick preaching and slick programming and through marketing. It's going to happen through you. It's going to happen through you. It's going to happen through your friendship and your love. See, I could take up an offering from you for marketing. And we'll do some marketing in the future. 
I say, hey, let's raise a few thousand dollars and market the area. But what I'm asking you to do is to save 30 to $80. So on one Sunday, you could ask someone, hey, can I take you to breakfast? Or can I take you to lunch? Maybe it won't work out with your schedule, but you say, hey, if you come Sunday later on in the week, I'll take you out to lunch. It's you being mobilized. And so that we understand that we're on mission with God. We're in step with God. We're in step with Him. We're on a journey with Him. With love, He's reaching out to people. We're not here to market ourselves to consumer Christianity who's just looking for the next big thing. No, we're here to incarnate the gospel, to be Christ, to be Christ together, to live that out. And that is as natural and as rewarding, excuse me, it's as natural as just loving people. That's all it is. It's just loving people and being a friend. The last scripture I want to share with you is out of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him, And listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let the nets, let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. I believe that's what the Spirit's calling us to do, is to go out a little further, to cast out the nets together. I believe that our nets will begin to break in a good way. We will break records. We will double. We will grow. We won't lose who we are, but we'll do so because Jesus is that important. You understand that? Jesus is that important. Community is that important. Love is that important. I have people, you have people in your life who God's going to use this church that they would know Jesus better. And it's going to happen through you. As I was Again, at the, at the beach, my seven-year-old son came and he asked me, he said, Dad, will you help me build a sandcastle? I really didn't want to, but I did anyway. And his two cousins were there and me and the three seven-year-olds start digging and building a castle. Within five minutes, they lost interest, but I didn't. And uh, so I'm by myself building a sandcastle. It was therapeutic. It was kind of fun. 30 minutes, 45 minutes pass, and they come back around. And one of my nephews asked a really good question. He said, Uncle Aaron, is the sandcastle almost done? And I said, well, here's a great thing about sandcastles. It's only finished when you want it to be finished. And I thought about that after I made that statement. You see, you're never done building New York City. There's always another building to put up. There's always potholes to repair. There's always a park to clean. You're never done building Chicago. You're never done developing Seattle. You're only done when you say, good enough. 
You're only done when you, when you say, I'm satisfied. You know, it's easy to say, we got a nice church here. Nice sized church. Comfortable building. But Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. You're only finished when you want to be finished. Can I just say this? Don't stop building the church. Don't finish yet. Jesus is still building the church. There's still another trench to dig. There's still another wall to mold. There's still another watchtower to create with the sand. There is still another life to reach. There's still things we need to improve upon in our systems and our property. There's still people that have not even thought about going to church today. There is still work to do. There's still kids that need to be discipled. There's still holiness that needs to be taught. The work of the church isn't finished unless we're satisfied. Don't get satisfied. It's not finished. The work's not finished until you decide it's not finished. And I believe through the leading of the Spirit, He's saying we're just beginning. It's only beginning. It's only beginning. This is a new era. This is a new uh, this, this is a new season for us. The Lord has established things to build upon. He's building upon. We're building upon the foundation. We're builders. We're builders. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.